every entrepreneur has a story. Welcome to Happy Half Hour with an Entrepreneur, where each episode, your host, Brian Carney, will share a drink with a successful business owner and have them discuss their unique journey, gaining insight on what it takes to be an entrepreneur and different ways to get there. Brian isn't just a beer nerd. He's also the co-founder of River's Edge Advisors, a financial planning firm headquartered in Delaware, specializing in working with business owners. It's time to pour yourself a drink and enjoy a happy half hour with an entrepreneur. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Happy Half Hour with an Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Brian Carney. This is a show where I interview a business owner about their entrepreneurial journey, sample a beer I've never tried before, and then give it a rating at the end. This episode is going to be a little bit different than ones that we've done in the past, because today my guest is Paul Eisenberg, the founder and CEO of Bring Hope Home. This is the first time we've had the opportunity to interview an entrepreneur who started a nonprofit company. Since their inception, they've supported over 7,600 local families and have provided over $9 million in assistance to families in need. Paul, thanks so much for for joining us. Brian, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm drinking coffee. Oh, perfect. Well, I'm going to be drinking uh, Monument City Brewing. It's apparently is a uh, Baltimore brewing company, and it's a uh, the beer's called Day Hike. So I'll give it a, a review at the end. Okay. Well, cheers. Cheers to you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Tell us a little bit about Bringing Hope Home. Bringing Hope Home is a nonprofit. It's a 501c3. We started in 2008. And what we do is we provide emotional and financial support to local families with cancer. We do that by paying household necessity bills rent, mortgage, utility, car payment, food, and also providing a community for the families to be a part of. If you get diagnosed with cancer, even with healthcare coverage, your out-of-pocket can be tens of thousands of dollars a year. Yeah. And we started this back based on a personal experience. I lost my late wife, Nicole, to a six and a half year battle in 03. And we had the best of a tough situation and it was still very, very hard. And uh, she wanted to help people. And that's kind of how we got started. So that, that's pretty amazing. So you raise money and someone gets a diagnosis as a member of their family has been, been diagnosed with cancer and they can't go to work. So they need a couple of months of mortgage paid or some, some uh, electric bills paid. You guys step in. Yeah, we pay um, household necessity bills one time. Uh-huh. They have to be, the family has to be in active treatment according to the social worker at the hospital and live in our territory. And people can find this stuff, these uh, uh, questions out on bringinghopehome.org. I'm bringing home.org and the family gets nominated to us the first business day of the month. We have a process that we follow and then we write the checks directly to the bills. We try to lower the bills. Uh, we try to have the landlord throw in an extra month if we FedEx a check right away. And then we'll pay those bills and then we'll also send gift cards from a supermarket. Oh, wow. We will invite them to events where Phillies, Flyers, Eagles, uh, Raven's partner will send them to an event if we get tickets. We will help families get jobs. We will help families get into school. We will help. Oh, wow. Whatever. We don't take care of patients either. We take care of families. Sure. There are families. They belong to us. They're important to us. So we try to do whatever that family needs. If they want to come back and speak at an event, we do about nine big events a year. If they want to come speak at an event on behalf of their experience with us, We'll do that. They can do that. We, if they want to fundraise for us, they can do that. That's they, great. They want to volunteer for us. They can do that, whatever. However they want to be involved, it's up to them. Incredible. So 
How how did you get started in this world? I mean, looking at your background, you have sort of a traditional business development background, and then you you made this leap to the nonprofit world. So talk a little bit about how the, the organization came to be. Well, so as I mentioned, my late wife went through a, a big challenge, and the organization came to be because uh, at, at one point I came home and said to Nicole, we had little kids. She was diagnosed when she was nine months pregnant. Oh, wow. We had a little boy already, and then Christopher was – 22 months old when Gabby was born and then Nicole went into treatment and then she passed when they were eight and six. Wow. And during that time, we were obviously fully focused on taking care of Nicole and our family. And I would, I would come home and say, oh, I ran into Brian today. Brian's a great guy. I never see anybody. And my wife who was five foot nothing tiny said, yeah, I don't really want to hear you complain. Why don't you go <laughs> to an event, uh, invite everybody you like and raise money for a charity. So I, like you, I've spent a lot of years on my network. Sure. Wonderful group of people like we were talking about earlier that we're connected to together. And I called one of my really good friends, Tim Sherry, who's the co-founder of this organization with mm -hmm. me. And I said, Nicole has this idea, just invite who we like, call it the great guy dinner, raise money. That's how we started. First, got, first event we held, we had a hundred guys and raised 13 grand for the American Cancer Society. Wow, that's amazing. And then this past year we had our 20, First or 22nd event, and we had 300 or uh, 450 people and raised about 330 grand. Holy crap. So we did the Great Guy Dinner for the first seven to eight years for the benefit of another charity. And that really taught us how to raise money. Sure. And then between year seven and eight, one of our great guys, who great guys are men and women, yeah. passed away leaving a wife and two daughters. We heard they were struggling. So we went to one of our corporate donors and said, Every year you give $5,000 to the ACS. This year, give them three, give us the two cash, and we'll give it to this family. Wow. And that's kind of how we started. And uh, I mean, in the business development world, it's really no different than anything I've ever done. Good point. It's We raise money now. Our money comes in. We take our expenses out, and we pay bills right away. So it reflects its founder, right? I'm, a, I'm not a deep pool. I'm not a super intelligent guy. I'm a basic <laughs> guy. Yeah. So families get nominated. We raise the money. We pay their bills. We make them feel like they're part of something because they are. And it's an immense honor to be opened up to by families to their life and let you step in. It's a very intimate thing. They're in a hard place, right? Yeah. So we try to really honor that and, and, and respect that. And we raise money. We take care of them as best we can. We stay connected with them if they so choose. And then we, we go on every day. That, that's pretty amazing. I mean, if you look at the, most of the charities and most of the nonprofits that raise money for cancer, it's usually, you know, research or for the actual patient. And right. I guess maybe the Ronald McDonald House, to some extent, helps the family. But there, it seems to be that most organizations aren't actually raising money for the family as opposed to the person that's getting treatment. How are you able to sort of see that as a, as a better way to, to help people? Well, I don't know if it's better. Mm -hmm. right. A different way. You, you're right. No, that's a, that's a fair comment. Um, when Nicole was ill, like I said, she was sick for six and a half years. So part of the reason she survived for that long was there were advances mm -hmm. in research and development. So I would never tell anybody not to give to R&D. That's sure. important. And, and things are, I mean, kind of cancer is becoming something you can live with for a long time. Good point. Right? But the way that we viewed it and Nicole was in that situation, 
families give everything they can to help somebody through a hard time, themselves, their time, their money. How do we help those families right now? Mm -hmm. R&D helps. Research and development helps down the road. It helps extend. Completely supportive of that. Yeah. We just have, we have a family. The husband and wife are both diagnosed with it. The wife just passed. Oh, geez. This guy's in, in the hurt locker. Yeah. You know, his family's struggling. How do we help him just get through? Mm-hmm. Sometimes people just need one or two months to just get through. Yep. And that's what we really want to focus on. And, you know, a lot of times we're going to have to figure out a way to do this. But when the social worker nominates the family to us, the next step is our family department calls that family and says, you've been accepted into the Bringing Hope Home, Light of Hope grant program. We're going to help pay some of your bills. And Brian, it is one of the most powerful things to hear somebody silence as you can almost hear their mind. Wait a minute, you're, you're going to help me? Wow. Help me. How, who are you? I don't even know who you are. And, and, and then you hear them come back on and they're like, I'm confused. Yep. You're going to pay my bills? You care about me? Sometimes that's all a family needs to get through. And that's what our donors do for us. They, they help that family know there's hope. Yeah. Back to cancer. You know, we can't, we, we can't, that's not what we do. We're sure. very narrow, very focused on what we do, but we can make today better. Yeah. Tomorrow better. And we can be here for you. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll show up. We'll, we show up. It has to be such an amazing feeling to be able to know that you're literally changing people's lives. I am the most blessed guy you will ever meet. Yeah. There is nobody that deserves less than me. There is nobody who's gotten more than he deserves. And I am thankful, truly thankful for everything I have. And I I work, I have a great family. I have great friends. I work with great people. Yeah. Show up every day. And we have fun. Today's Monday. Everybody's in the office today. I don't yeah. want to Mondays are my favorite. Everybody's yeah. in the office. <laughs> how many? So, how many people work for the organization as uh, as employees, and how many volunteers do you have as well? We have ten full time employees. Oh wow! We have four full time volunteers. Five full time volunteers that come on a regular basis. Today, one of our team, little little Fran, she's a retired second grade teacher. Uh, it's her birthday. She's seven years here. She shows up every day and she's and cheerful. And then we get anywhere from three to five interns a semester. That's great. Yeah. Well, how, and so you said social workers uh, nominate families. Is that how, how, how does that, that process work? So the social, the family goes to the social worker, which pretty much everybody has a social worker now in their health system. And the, the social worker goes and, or the family goes to the social worker and I'm struggling, what resources are available. Uh, hopefully they know of us and they nominate that family to us uh, an electronic form on the first business day of the month. That's so that when they're nominated, they find the social worker finds out that they need a specific bill paid for. They're, they're, really they're struggling financially. And then yeah. part of the application is what bills do you need? And those bills get included because we pay the bills directly. Yeah. So we're, we don't, we don't give the family any money. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I thought, you know, what you said earlier is a little bit interesting as well, where you actually, you know, go to bat for people and help them negotiate on their behalf. You know, I can't imagine that you have a family member going through, you know, some sort of chemo treatment, and now you have to call your landlord or call your mortgage company and ask for help and, you know, try to to 
quote unquote negotiate with them. I, that's a pretty uh, amazing thing you guys are doing. Well, my family department's phenomenal and landlords, it's interesting. Landlords are the most cooperative. Huh. Mortgage companies are the worst. Yeah. <laughs> Not the worst. Worst is wrong. Mortgage companies are the hardest to work with because of the privacy laws. Ah. Uh, right. So yes. we call up a, we call up a mortgage company. We're calling a 1-800 number. Yeah. We're getting an outsourced customer service rep. We're like, we want to pay, you know, this account number's mortgage. Well, who are you? How right. do you really, this is not a bank account on record. Yeah. Kind of thing. Uh, with landlords, we call them up. We're like, hey, the Jones family's struggling. We don't know if you know this. We have power. With, we're allowed to talk to nurses and bill collectors on oh, behalf cool. of our family. So we signed those documents. And we're like, they're, they're behind. We're going to pay you two months right now. We're going we're gonna to FedEx a check to you or UPS a check to you today. Can you throw in an extra month? And most times landlords are like, you know what? I saw they were late. They're usually pretty good. I'm sorry to hear I knew something was going on. Yeah. And, and plus the landlord doesn't want to have to put a padlock, evict people, put so, a padlock, re-carpet it, repaint it. We're yeah. just trying to make it easier for the family. Yeah. Kind of funny that a mortgage, you call a mortgage company, you say, I want to pay you. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know about, I don't recognize this yeah, bank account. Yeah, it's, and I'm, it's not, Mortgage companies are great. So sure. Not, yeah. Yeah. But it's just a different, just a different animal. Yeah, definitely. So what are some of the, um, what are some of the other events you said? I think you mentioned you do nine total events. What are some of the other ones that you guys So do? we have our golf outing coming up on September 6th. That's a Philly cricket. Oh, nice. That's a great event. We sell out two courses. We have a, a fashion show on November 4th that includes our families and supporters. That's a lot of fun. I never thought I'd have fun at a fashion show, but it's, it's a ton of fun. We do a Phillies game in August where we invite all the families that we've helped. We'll have between five and 600 families. Wow. Game. Um, we do the great guy dinner in May. We do a great guy dinner in Baltimore. We do a, we just finished a 5k in sea Isle where we had 937 runners. Good Lord. Yeah. It was, we're, it's, we're busy. Yeah. I would imagine given the numbers that you mentioned about the great guy dinner, is that sort of like the marquee event that you raised the most money? Yeah. And that's one of our, that's our first event. So that tends to get our legacy group there. And we've had some phenomenal guests. We just had Charlie Manuel came. Oh, wow. And he was just so gracious and fun. And I hear he's like the, the greatest regular guy of all time. He is. Honest to God, we had 400, we had 450 people. He was one of the last 10 there. Wow. And he didn't want to leave. That's so great. And he was just the best. His wife was, was, is a cancer survivor. He's a cancer survivor. Yeah. We've had uh, David Akers from the Eagles. We've had Jimmy Bayheim. We've had Jay Wright. Oh, wow. We've had um, Drone Bettis. Yeah, that's great. Just wonderful, fun group of people. Just yep. a lot of fun. Yeah. And a speaker, one of our family speaks at every dinner. Uh, so, you know, let's talk about their experience with you guys. Yeah. Yeah, and, it, and you never know what you're going to get. Yeah, you and never those, tell what to say. So those are pretty usually pretty emotion, emotional stories. So oh, I can't. It's phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal. and it's 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 so great to hear people's experience the way you wanted them to feel your impact. right. That's yeah, that's a really interesting way to put it. You never you never know what somebody's having until you talk to them. Yeah. Experience wise. And when what you hoped happens 
is what they say happens. Yes. It's, 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 it's just, it's, it's a high, to be honest. It's really exciting. That's amazing. I, I find the, the cancer thing, it, it's pretty, uh, hits close to home with me. When I was 28, I was diagnosed with cancer. Now I find mm -hmm. myself super lucky because I had surgery, no chemo, no radiation, right? Mm -hmm. But the amount of emotional stress it takes on a, on a family is pretty crazy, right? So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, so you have kids that are eight and six and your wife passes away. Yeah. How, you, you're probably 30s at the time, in your 30s at the time? 38, yeah. 38. How do you even, when, you, when you're young and getting married, you never have that plan that I'm going to be a widow or 38. How were you able to sort of, you know, just handle that whole experience? Uh, I don't know that I handled it great. Right. There's probably no great way to handle it. Well, I think, I think having an eight-year-old and a six-year-old who needed you, and I had a lot of help, right? My mother-in-law, her family, my family, friends, so good in giving to us. Um, you don't really have a choice. Yeah. You know, what are you going to do? I can't get up today because I'm sad, but your kid needs to get lunch made and breakfast made and showered and dressed yeah. and on the bus and you got to go to work. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, and so I think that was a big part of it. And I think probably bigger than that was our faith. Yeah. We're very, our faith is really important to us. Um, Nicole really embraced it from a faith perspective mm -hmm. as to her, her, challenge and her suffering she offered it up to god and felt there was a plan and a reason and was very very secure and comforted by that yeah and for me i've always you know our saying was you know god god doesn't give you anything you can't handle i just wish you didn't have so much faith in us <laughs> I've, I've never heard that before i like and, that saying. and you know we did everything we could for nicole and we did everything we could to make her better and it was not his will and she passed and she's in a better place. I believe that. Yeah. Uh, but for me, it was, you know, maybe I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't be doing this had she not had that experience. I, I have to admit, I always find it amazing when people go the direction that you did when, when you're 38, you could kind of say like, you screwed me over God, you know, like, and, and instead, you went the opposite way, which I think you is probably did say that a few times. <laughs> well, but you know, I always look at things because I'm 57 now, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm the same age I was when my dad died of lung cancer. Oh wow! So why am I still here? Why do I get to see my grand, my children? Yeah. Why did I get such a wonderful wife in Nicole and then get remarried to another wonderful woman who's a yeah. widow who supports what I do? Right. Why do why do I get is it why is it okay for me to get friends that have stood by me for forty years mm -hmm. been there, and I'm going to complain because something else happened? Yeah. You gotta. I think from me, of course, I'm older now, right? So we we're joking about being old, right? Before. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I got a hip and a grandchild and hearing aids in like a eighteen month period, so <laughs> I think I'm officially older. <laughs> and you know um i just think perspective it, it changes and comes with it and you know I'm, I'm here today i want to make an impact today as best i can on my family and my 
friends and my colleagues and the families that we help. And I can't wait to get up and just yeah. go to work. That's amazing. I mean, the, the amount of gratitude that you have has to be such a uh, it's such an incredible thing to be so thankful for everything. I th- I often think that many successful people lose sight of that. And, you know, I don't have this or I don't make this amount of money or I don't drive this car. Or I don't have this house. And I think that that's an unfortunate part of this world that we live in. I think, you know, I, I think a lot of people are grateful for what they have. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'll throw myself in. I tend to like here at the charity, we're going to raise for year one in 08, we helped, we raised 125 grand and helped 10 families. Mm-hmm. Year one in 08. This year, we're going to raise 2.7 million and wow. help 850 to 900 families. Amazing. Across 8,000 families next month. I get so caught up as a business development personality. Sure. Okay, well, how do we get to three? Mm-hmm. And how do we get to the strategic plan says we want to double in five years. How do we, and, and my staff is really great. And I'm very thankful to them because they'll say, wait a minute, let's just take a minute and let's enjoy and be appreciative of this. That's we just helped 150 more families than we did last year. Yep. That's a lot of work. Yes. That's a lot. Like this year alone, we're in July, right? We're a calendar year company. We put in a new CRM. We didn't put in a new CRM. My team. Sure. <laughs> and a new payroll system. Yeah. We have a new HR process that we put into place. We're working with a new consultant. We're doing our strategic plan every month. We just had a brainstorming session with six phenomenally intelligent entrepreneurial donors who wanted to make us 10 times what we are in five years. Wow. Um, so I, what do I have to complain about? Right. Yeah. I just had a donor. He said, what do you need? What are you going to do for next year? I said, we want to hire three people. You know, which is a big hiring 33% more people is a big number, right? For sure. And he goes, well, how are you going to do that? So we're talking about that. And he, and he owns like six companies. He goes, I'll pick up one of those salaries and I'll put them on my books and just give them to you. Wow. Didn't even ask him. Didn't even ask him. But, That's amazing. But, but he, he believes in what we do. We've known him. He's, we've talked to him. He's, I call him. He's, like, he's a bit of a mentor. Yeah. Like, yeah. We'll take care of that. Yep. That's so, incredible. What do I have to complain about? Yeah. I, have, I have nothing to be but grateful. It's true. That, right? That's awesome. Well, I think, it's a great thing. It, it, for sure. It, it really is amazing. I, I've been on development committees before. I don't think a lot of people know how hard it is to raise $2.3 million. 2.7. 2.7 million dollars. Sorry. So I will tell you, it's the greatest and the easiest thing I've ever done. Hmm. And here's why. I believe so passionately about what we do yeah of course i should right i'm it's my job right i truly believe so passionately that if i don't ask you for money or to be involved then i feel like i have disrespected you yeah now you can tell me no right i get told no a lot right i tell people all the time they're like okay paul what do you want i want a million dollars well they're like look at me i don't have a million dollars what do you got (laughs) And they go, well, I can't give that to you. I'm like, okay, what can you give to us? Well, I don't know that I'm connected enough. Okay, that's okay. Yeah, I'm okay with that. That's fair. There's a lot of great charities out there. But if I don't ask you and give you the opportunity to give the way you can give, I feel like I've been disrespectful to you. And you have to believe, but you have to believe in what you do. True. You have to believe that you can provide a family and individual, a group 
with the best possible solutions for their financial well-being. You have to believe that passionately that you're the only guy that can do it the way you can do it. Yep. It is hard. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of relationship work. I have touch point calls that I make every week. It's five to 10 calls that I make every week. It's a list of 80 people that are important that get divvied up each week. I just call. Yeah. And sometimes the call is, and talk to you in a, in a month. I just want to say hi, see how you're doing. If you need anything, call me. I'll talk to you soon. That's what else, well, what else are you going to do in life, Brian? What else are we going to do? Great. It's a great way to look at it. I mean, when you're passionate about something, you fully believe in everything you're doing. Asking people to get involved is, is just makes a whole lot of sense. It's, it's just easy. Yeah. You know, I, I recently heard an analogy about leaders like you, which I think is pretty appropriate here. Uh, a, a gentleman named Mike Darrens, who, who is a CEO, mentioned this to me. He said, people that get passionate are like batteries. They can't help but charge other people up around them, right? That's a great way to put that. And he said, sometimes when you're the battery, when you're that guy, you go home and you're tired because you've charged everybody else up and it takes a little bit of effort to, to, to recharge yourself. But most people that are batteries are excited to do it again the next day. And that's 100% you. Yeah, I, well, I appreciate that. I, I just started, I just read the 5 a.m. club about three, four months ago. I don't know if you ever okay. read that book. No. Basically, it's like on your morning, on your day, you get up at, and from five to six, work out for 20 minutes, pray and meditate for 20 minutes, read for 20 minutes. Yeah. I get out. Of, I used to, I used to hate getting up. Once <laughs> to God, 630 would roll around. I would think it was like ungodly early. Now I literally get up at 430. Yeah. Immediately. I'm Me too. Also. It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy people. I, I tell my wife when I sleep in and I don't wake up and like go to the gym or, you know, when I don't wake up early, I actually get more tired when mm -hmm. I, on days that I sleep in and when I get up and do what you're talking about. Like I get into the office probably seven, seven, 15, and I am super productive for like three hours. Yeah. I am like focused, which yeah. is my big challenge, right? Yeah. But, Me too. My team starts <laughs> coming in catch up with them. And then the next thing you know, it's 1130. I had a lunch today with a guy who his company wants to do a big fundraiser for us. He's due for another charity. He wants to join the board, came back, got this call, which is just, which I'm having a great time. And then after this, I got to go and we just cleaned out a closet. So like eight of us are taking trash and I'm excited about it, which is something's wrong with me. So <laughs> I love it. Um, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about the pandemic because I know your charitable organizations were hit pretty hard when people are starting to say, okay, I might not be able to, to donate now because my job's unsure or expenses are unsure, whatever the case may be. How did your organization kind of steer their way through the pandemic? Well, I think a couple things. So we were very fortunate that we planned and we had a six month cash reserve yeah. of operational cash reserve. We also had, it just increased our line of credit that we didn't have to use, thank God. Yeah. And we, our, my staff did a phenomenal job of putting into play a couple of extra events, a couple grants that we got, obviously the PPP mm -hmm. and my event planner, Sarah, did a wonderful job of making two of our big events, including the Great Guy Dinner, virtual. And no easy feat. Oh, it was no easy feat, but the way it timed out, is everything got shut down in March. All of our corporate sponsors still pretty much went through 
with their sponsorship because it was already budgeted. Uh, that's great. We were about 10% off for 2020 because of the day of event money. Yeah. Well, when you come to one of our events, we'll have a silent auction, we'll have a raffle, whatever. None of that stuff was really happening the same way. School events that raises about 10 to 15% of our money, they shut down. External events shut down. So, but we, we figured out how to do other things. And then 2021 came, um, we eliminated one position, which was hard to do. I'm sure. But people started waking up again. And the great guy dinner for 2021, we had Jerome Bettis in PA where we had it. They opened up literally the day before we were allowed to have X number of people. I think we had 170 people outside at a Wow. So, you know, God was good to us with some timing. But our, our people just stayed with us. And, you know, I, that's a testament to my team who does such a great job of communicating what we do. Yeah. You know. That's and, incredible. And I think – Again, we raise our own money every year. We're, we don't get a lot of a lot of like state, federal grants. Sure. So a lot of a lot of charities, I think, were struggling if that money dried up. Yeah. You know, where we're raising that money privately mm -hmm. every year. And don't get me wrong; we'll we'll go after federal and state money because it's we help a lot of families. But yeah. Our roots are, hey, private donors. Would you like to donate to the golf outing? Hey, would you like to do this? You want to be part of this? Yeah. You know, one of the big things for us is we work from home two days a week before the pandemic. Oh, cool. Because we're in Malvern, Pennsylvania, but we had people coming from, you know, an hour away. So kind of eased the burden on them a little bit. Yeah. Like you can work from home two days a week. So we already had that out figured out. Yeah. Right. Well, and you know, that's good. That's amazing that you're only off 10% because, you know, I, I found one of the interesting, and I don't think often talked about stories is how, that the pandemic didn't stop people from getting cancer and stop them from going through those issues. And in fact, with the things that you helped, the pandemic actually made them worse because now they have their, their funds are low or their, their, they're not, their paycheck is stopping for a period of time. So I think it made it even more important for you guys to be involved during that and, and still be able to raise that money. Yeah. And the big challenge for us during the pandemic was a lot of social workers got laid off for furlough. Mm -hmm. So if a hospital had three social workers, now they had one. Got the health system had 10, now they had three. Yeah. We weren't getting the families nominated to us as fast as we used to. Yeah. So it helped made us look at our process and say, well, why aren't we getting them? What, what should we be doing? So we instituted a uh, outbound call program to all our social workers. And it did two things. It let people know we were still here. Mm -hmm. It also helped us to understand what was going on at the hospital side. And then it led to something we're very excited about. We're having a family advisory board that's going to be made up of families that we've helped and social workers to help us uncover more needs that people need help with. That's great. Yeah. So, you know, I'll tell you what, I'm, I said to my team today, I'm just so happy everybody's back. Yeah. I'm just, I was in here by myself for like six months, just walking around like an old man in the dark. It was terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. But now everybody's back and we're, we're, we got a lot of energy and we're excited. Yeah, I love it. That's awesome. Well, I, you've helped over 7,600 families. Do you yeah. have one story that's sort of one of your favorites to tell? Or uh, I know it's hard, probably hard to pick just one. Yes, it's extremely hard to pick just one. And our families are like our children. 
Yeah. Like them all. Sure. Um, we have one family who we helped them. The, the mom was sick, had head and neck cancer, and she had a lot of physical operations and issues with her head and neck that it, you can really tell there was stuff going on. Yeah. Lost her jaw, things, oh, things like that, you know, and, and we helped pay the bills and her and her husband and her kids got really involved with us. They still are. They speak at events for us, but she is such a beautiful person. Yeah. And she takes my breath away with her grace. She has given us the gift of being so connected to us. And she, she just lives her life. She goes out, she does her thing. And we had an opportunity with a friend of mine who's a dentist to get her new teeth. Wow. And like I said earlier, I, I want to ask everybody to be involved. And this guy said, well, how can he's become a friend? And I, he goes, well, how can I be involved? I go, we have this one family. And because of the chemo and the radiation, her teeth are crumbling. He goes, I'll take care of it. Wow. No charge. That's amazing. No recognition. Yep. Just here. And, you know, I tell my development staff, our job is not to go raise money. Our job is to get, let people give the way they want to give. Yeah. That's like $30,000. Absolutely. She beams, man. She just beams. That's incredible. And it's just, it's, she has, she's this light that comes from inside that just, I'm just so, I just saw her at our Seattle 5k and she just, just makes me happy. That's amazing. What a great story that is. It just makes me happy. Well, I, I just want to thank you for taking the time out. To, oh, to this has been great. Thank you. Yeah. And if people want to learn a little bit more about your organization or to donate, how, how, how do they find you? Bringinghopehome.org. Bringinghopehome.org. Amazing. Um, and if you want to connect with me on the Untapped app, my username is brcarney7. To learn more about how our firm helps business owners with their financial planning, visit riversedgeadvisors.com. And to hear past episodes of the podcast, go to happy-half-hour.com. Moment of Truth, Day Hike by Monument City Brewing. Excellent. Four, four and a half out of five. Highly recommend. I would definitely drink it again. And again, if you want to go and donate, uh, it's bringing hope home.org. Correct. Thank you so much, Paul. I really Thanks, appreciate Brian. This has been great, man. Really, really appreciate your time and you having me on. Thank you for the, for the amazing work you're doing. Cheers Thank to you. you. God bless. Thank you for listening to Happy Hip Hour with an Entrepreneur, sponsored by Rivers Edge Advisors. For more information on how Rivers Edge Advisors can help you, visit their website at riversedgeadvisors.com. If you'd like to connect with Brian Carney for business advice, or just to share beer, follow him on Instagram at Rivers Edge Advisors underscore LLC.